Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. So this morning, so we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 8. That's where we left off. We'll go back there this morning. Amen. Remember, this coming Wednesday, we're again considering issues of election. Amen. There will be no ladies meeting the first, the first Thursday of November. That's going to slide as it did last month to the second Wednesday, or second Thursday, rather, of November. Amen. Remember, next weekend, time changes falling back an hour it'd be 9.30 right now next weekend some people are happy about that because they'll get another hour of sleep some people take advantage of it and stay up later so it really don't matter <clears throat> amen but to those whom it does matter God bless you you'll probably just be here an hour early for church pray an hour, extra hour before church uh-huh Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. I'm going to begin with just verse number 1. Amen this morning. Where, where, where we left off last week. The Bible says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded into the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record yea and beyond their power they were willing of themselves praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints this is where we left off last week if you remember he comes to this place of Macedonia who are in a great trial of affliction themselves but yet are still very eager to give to the need at Jerusalem Amen. And did so because of joy. Because of joy. And did so liberally. Amen. Let's pray this morning. I love you, Jesus, today. Thank you, Lord. God, for allowing us together here. Now, we're grateful, Lord God, for this freedom. We're grateful for this right. God, of gathering together, Lord Jesus, people with one another, God, in a, Lord, building here to be able to worship and serve you. I pray, oh, Lord, to be able to touch our hearts and our minds today. God, as we begin, consider your word, Lord Jesus, in the Lord topic, the umbrella, Lord Jesus, of giving. I pray, oh, Lord, bless us now, God, in this, Lord, that you would grant us understanding, Lord, and that we would go, Lord Jesus, forward, Lord, with that understanding. We'll not fail to thank you for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen and amen. The church say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. So again, the church of Macedonia was so excited about giving and they wanted to give in spite of their own trial, in spite of their own poverty, which was, was great at that time. Uh, they were not giving because circumstances were favorable for them, but they were giving, giving in spite of unfavorable circumstances. And they wanted Paul to receive their gift. They wanted him to receive the offering that they had amassed for the purpose of Jerusalem. And so regardless of whatever their circumstances was, they could give. We talked about how last week that giving wasn't like a perk for the rich. It wasn't that then if you're rich, then that's a perk that you got. You're able to give as a result of that. But it's a privilege. It's a privilege for each and every one of us. Nobody is, is eliminated from being able to give. That is a privilege for each and every one of us. And so when we considered this today, uh, when we look at 2 Corinthians 8 and see how they were so eager to give in spite of what was going on around them, uh, the, these people, in, to a certain degree, uh, were not trying to find reasons for not giving, though they may have had maybe some justifiable things happening within their own city and community. They were not trying to find reasons for not giving. Notice what the Bible says in Exodus 36. This is a... This is a um, very peculiar uh, uh, scripture. It, it kind of baffles us, wows us, if you will, to a certain degree. The Bible says in Exodus 36 and verse 5, the Bible says, And they spake unto Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work. I'm already wowed. 
Don't say anything more. I mean, that is just astounding. Moses has basically put forth a plea concerning needing money for the house of God. And when he did, the people brought more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded to make. And the Bible says in verse 6, And Moses gave commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained. This just baffles me. The people were restrained from bringing, for the stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to make it and too much. Now, let, 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 let's consider something this morning. Whenever we're talking about Old Testament times and the giving that they gave, yes, some of it was silver and gold and things of that nature, but some of it was actually, you know, the first fruits of their grain and, and an abundance of, you know, perhaps um, different crops that they had, livestock, so on and so forth. So through that venue, we understand that they could only put those things so many places, all right? But we have this very positive thing in our modern day since people ain't bringing in chickens and cows and goats and we're not filling up room three with it and two and one and all that. Thing is, if you bring in actually monetary, you know, money type things, there's things called banks that we can put that in. And so uh, you don't have to worry about us saying restraining you all from giving because there's places we can put it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. It's not like we're trying to find room for one more chicken, you know, or anything like that. But, but this is just an awesome thing. The people were so excited. were so excited about giving towards what was needed for the work of the sanctuary that they actually gave more than enough and almost more than what they could even house in that day. And so they were restrained uh, from bringing any more because they had already brought enough or sufficient for the house of the Lord. Amen. And basically all Moses did was make known the need. He made known the need. And then the spirit of giving, if you will, the joy associated with giving, uh, broke forth and people began to give. And that overtook the people until Moses said, hey, this is great. You all done a wonderful job. You know, you all can quit. You all can quit now at this moment. The need that I presented is taken care of. Isn't that an awesome thing? Isn't that an awesome thing to be able to present a need, just present it, and then that just grab the hearts of the people and them identifying with the need that they would bring enough to facilitate uh, the need that was needed uh, for that day and that hour? Amen. That's awesome. And then we, we've seen that, no doubt, you know, from time to time. People just so eager to give. You know, sincerely, people just so eager to give uh, with a heart to give to the church or to others that they'll give when they'll give everything they have at the, 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 the hurt of themselves, meaning they'll give money away that was supposed to pay their bill. All right. Now, there is wisdom. All right. There's wisdom. You need to give, yes, you need to give, ought to give, do according to the word of God. If, if you pay your 10% and you, uh, according to the scripture, tithes and you give offering as well, you don't have to worry about your bills. God's going to take care of you. But whenever you go above and beyond that, and especially, and it's not always to church, sometimes to people. People want, you know, ask for help. I feel like go get sensitive here. <laughs> no one gets sensitive on me. <laughs> people ask for help, and that's fine. But sometimes you have people that are, chronic in need of help all right I, I understand it because we deal with it around here just within the community there's people that are legitimately need help and there's people that's always on the need of help because of bad decisions they've made okay now the 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 the, the, the tornado effect is whenever you find someone that's so eager to give and someone that's so eager to take and i hope nobody in here takes advantage of a giver because you're a taker. And I just feel like I just seen the diving board and wanted to just go full in this morning, you know, uh, because what happens with that, somebody is going to give until I've seen it. I'm telling you, 100% seen it. People have given to people that quote unquote needed help to where then when it came time for some of their bills that were due, they didn't have the money to pay their bills. I'm just being honest. And so, uh, please, I, I caution you, be a giver. Yes, be a giver, but please don't be naive. All right, whenever the spirit of a moocher. Is this all right? Is this still good Bible? The spirit of a moocher. 
comes because they won't just take advantage of you. They'll take advantage of everybody that has the same spirit like you that's a giver. Amen? All right. I feel like I'm, I'm a, if I got a red dot on my chest, I don't know. But Let's go on then. The Bible says in First Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 14, But who am I and what is my people? That we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort. For all things come of thee, speaking to God, and of thine own have we given thee. David is overwhelmed that he and his people have been able to give like they were able to give. He was overwhelmed by this. I'm overwhelmed, God, that we've been able to give like we've been able to give the Lord. Let me tell you something. Sometimes I stand back and I'm overwhelmed at this church. Honestly. Uh, to think that, that you are able to give, you know, since early, I mean, since 97, there's been a full-time pastor here at this church, supported by this church. Whenever we were younger, smaller, people's jobs were not even, even as good as they are now. And so I'm overwhelmed uh, that we've been able to give like we've had been able to give unto the Lord and David, though he puts everything in perspective, he says, in essence, though, God, what we've given, what we've given to you came from you. Look at that last phrase of verse 14. He says, for, for all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. Isn't that peculiar? He says, so, so in essence, everything we've given to you has come from you. In other words, they gave to God what was his to begin with. Isn't that interesting? Does anybody have any money in their personal wallet, actual cash this morning? <laughs> Can somebody, will somebody give me the largest bill you have? We're not trying to, and we're, we're, not, we're not trying all the takers to get note here this morning, okay? <laughs> no one take advantage of these people. What we got here? Here we go. There we go, $20 bill. That works. $20 bill. I appreciate that. Now, now watch this. Watch this. Brother Powell, I, I want to give you this. I mean, this is pretty good of me. I, I want to give you this $20 bill. Now, I, and you know, sometimes like this. I gave $20 to Brother Powell. Now, how does this make Brother Powell feel? Now, you all were here and seen it. He gave it to me. But how would that make him feel if he gave it to me and then I gave it back to him like I was doing him a favor? David says, when I re I, I'm amazed that we could give everything we could to God. But he said, then when I think about it, everything we gave to God was God's already. Is everybody doing all right? <laughs> Let's take up another offering. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Seriously. You know, that's what the Lord was seeing and the disciples were seeing whenever they were standing there and they were, the, the monies were being given, the lady with the two mites that came. That's everything that they were seeing. People were coming that were very... Uh, uh, rich let's just call it rich that were well off and they were they were coming their money and you know it's almost making a show before the people but they were just giving god what was his anyway huh yet yet they almost they almost poised it in such a way that as though they were they were doing god a favor amen and so so they, they just giving him what was his anyway amen someone say amen. amen the bible says this numbers 18 and verse 24 but the tithes of the children of Israel, which they offer as an heave offering unto the Lord. Everybody say unto the Lord. I have given to the Levites to inherit. Therefore, I have said unto them among the children of Israel, 
they shall have no inheritance. Remember, the Levites, they, were not to, they, they, they weren't going to have any land. No land was theirs. Uh, many of their duties all centered around uh, working to some degree for the house of God. Some of them uh, would attend to uh, sacrifices. Some would attend to this. Whenever uh, they left and went from place to place with the tabernacle, some would be carrying you know, the structure of the tabernacle. Some would be carrying uh, uh, the, the, the uh, lampstand. Some would be carrying some of the, the, the uh, talents of silver that the post set in. And so they, had to, they all worked around the house of God. And he says, so whenever the, the children of Israel brought their tithes, he says, and notice the sieve offering unto the Lord. He said, then most of the night gave that to the Levites to inherit it. He said, that went for the purpose and the service of these that gave of themselves constantly for the service of the Lord and the work of the house of God. He says, and so there, there, there was a truth that a portion of what was given uh, for uh, the, 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 the sanctuary was given then for those that constantly worked around the sanctuary. So what I'm saying this morning is this. There is a truth today that the tithes that are brought into this storehouse, uh, there is a portion of that that is, as I said, since 97 has uh, facilitated or funded a, a pastor to be full time at the church. So he doesn't have any other. Uh, he's not bivocational. He does have no other employment but the church, uh, for instance, at at this stage in life, we also support an unfunded, a unfunded uh, pension plan for, for Bishop who gave up his life for many, many years. Revival services that we have with preachers and people that come by to speak into the hearts of this church is given toward that as well and just keeping the lights on and things of that nature. But the fact of the matter is this. The children of Israel, if you note again, did not give to the Levites, but they gave unto the Lord. And then Moses says, we trinkle then that through for the purpose of those that are constantly given their service to the house of God. But first and foremost, this is something that we must get in our minds as humans. And that is first and foremost, our giving is to God because giving is an act of worship. Yes, it is. That's right. Giving is an act of worship. And I'm not, I'm not worshiping the pastor. I'm not worshiping the ministries in the church, and I'm not worshiping the evangelists that come through. I am worshiping, by and large, I am worshiping the Lord. Matthew 6 and verse 19, I think we read this last week, but there's some that we're going to go back to and just pull things out here and there. The Bible says, lay not up for yourselves treasures, right, upon earth, where moth, yes, we read this last week, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If you remember last week, we told and spoke this, that you can't take it with you, right? right. But you can send it on ahead. Yes, sir. Take your money with you, but you can send it on ahead. And we denoted that God owns everything. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and them, right, that are therein, that worship therein. Amen. God owns everything and that we are what? His money managers. We are his stewards. And with that comes some responsibilities being the stewards of the Lord. And so here's some questions that we need to ask ourselves this morning. And that is, who actually owns your house? Someone says, well, the bank does. Well, let's go even a little deeper in that. Who actually owns your house? Who actually owns your bank account? Well, my name's on Well, let's go a little deeper than that. Who owns your skills? Who owns your body? Your abilities, your talents? You know, whenever King Tut left the earth, he left all his earthly possessions. Matter of fact, the Egyptians believed in an afterlife, one where the person who died could take all their earthly treasures with them. And as a result of that, King Tut, at the age of 17, he died. He was buried with solid gold chariots, thousands of golden artifacts. He was within a golden coffin that was within a golden tomb. His burial site was filled with tons of gold. And all that treasure stayed right where it was put. It was left untouched for about 3,000 years until someone discovered King Tut's tomb. You can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. And so here's the fact. Giving isn't always about the here and now. It's about the there and then. It's about laying up treasures in heaven. The Bible says in Matthew 19, 21, Jesus said this. Jesus said to him, if that will be perfect, 
He said, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Now look, he said, go sell what you have, give to the poor. Look what God says though now, thou shalt have treasure in heaven. When we are generous in our giving to God, our reward comes from God. When we're generous in giving, our reward comes from God. And let me tell you, there is not a better re- reward program here on earth. There is, not a better, there is not a better reward program here on earth. God's reward program surpasses them all. And as I oftentimes say, God does what? Keeps good records, and he does, and that also goes along with our giving. God keeps good records. Paul told the Philippians, he says, you were the only ones that, that talked to me about giving and receiving whenever I left Macedonia. He said, you were the only ones that said anything about uh, giving and receiving whenever I left Macedonia. And he even said, he said, when, whenever I was at Thessalonica, they, they had, had gave toward my need of what I needed. And Paul stated this. He said in Philippians 4, 17, he said, not because I desire a gift, He says, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Paul says, not that I desire to be helped or that I desire that you just go head over heels for me and my needs. He said, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. In other words, Paul says, the things we offer as a gift in our giving is really fruit that's tallied to our account. What? In essence, what we give away here in the name of the Lord is received up there on our account. God keeps good records. God keeps good records. As we give here, we're making deposits up there. You can send it on ahead. See, sad fact is every day we all are drawing closer to death. The moment... You take your first breath is the moment you start to die. Each day brings us closer to death. And if our treasures are on earth, that's where we invest them. That's where we put them. If our treasures on earth, that means then that each day that brings us a little closer to losing what we suppose treasure. Jesus said for where your treasure is, right? There will your heart be also. I, in the closing of the altar last week, I kind of spoke this. And here is the principle behind it. You can tuck it in your mind and your heart. My heart always goes where I put God's money. My heart always goes where I put God's money. Again, we say you could get out your checkbooks and your receipts and credit statements. Very good indication of where our heart is. But where we put money shows where our heart is. But it also determines where our heart is going to go. The thing is this, money leads, but then the heart follows. There was a man that once said, he said he heard people say all the time, I just want, I want more of a heart for missions. Or you can fill in the blank with anything. I want more of a heart for missions. I want, I want more of a heart for the church. I want, I want more of a heart for uh, home missionaries that's planting works across America. I just want more of a heart for that. I just pray, God, I want more of a heart for that. And Jesus told us exactly how to accomplish that. If you want more of a heart for missions, put your money in missions. You want more heart for a church? Put your money in the church. Want more of a heart for home missionaries that's planning works in America? Then put your money there because if you do, your heart, your heart will follow. See, some people would rather not take an action until their heart's in it. Jesus turned that upside down. If you want your heart in it, then take an action. Amen. The action. So if you take the action of giving, amen, your heart will be in it. Don't, don't, don't let your giving just don't let your giving follow your heart. All right? Don't let your giving follow your heart. Let your heart follow your giving. Let your heart follow your giving. Because your heart is not where you wish it to be. If your heart's not where you wish it to be or hope it to be or would like for it to be, amen, then, then just put your treasure there. And where you put your treasure, your heart is going to follow. And so we ask ourselves some questions this morning. What keeps me from giving? Or perhaps for some, it's what keeps me from giving more. 
Or am I afraid of giving? Or perhaps this one, do I trust that God will meet my needs if I give? Huh? So I say amen. See, death is a real loss in this life, a real loss, particularly a loss for people who only place their treasures upon this earth because it separates them from the things they've invested in. True. Some people have a hard time passing, giving up their life on this earth in those last moments. Yes, there's friends and there's families, but some will do so because all of their investments have been in this life. And there's nothing to look forward beyond this life. But I've been by the side of some who were good people that were givers and Christians. You know what? There was a peace of mind, peace of heart when they left this life because they didn't put all their eggs in this basket. Amen. They didn't put Sister Margaret. I think about Brother Bob and his generosity. And we spoke about that whenever he, he passed from this life. And we talked about that. And that was something that we denoted in his funeral service. How generous he was as a giver. You know why he was able to leave this world at peace? Because he didn't invest everything in this world. There was a world still yet to come. He had placed something on ahead of himself. And I think I even used this scripture at, at Brother Bob's funeral. Whenever the Apostle Paul said, for me to live is Christ. But for people who's not just invested in this life, but the life to come, he said, but for me to die is gain. Amen. Gain of heavenly treasures. Gain of what we have practiced here below. Luke chapter number 12 and verse 16. Parable here spoken. And he spake a parable unto them saying, the ground of a rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, so thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. When those, when then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. One of the biggest roadblocks of giving is the illusion that earth is our home. A principle, again, to consider is heaven, not earth, is your home. Heaven, not earth, is your home. Several different ways throughout the scripture, the Bible describes it, but it calls us oftentimes the church, we are pilgrims. Pilgrims. Speaks of us as being strangers. Strangers. Another place, Paul even spoke of being an ambassador. What that means, uh, he's not a citizen of the country that he resided in. He's not a citizen of the country that he resided in. He's an ambassador. And where we put our treasure largely depends on where we think home is. Where we think home is. Uh, as a kid, you know, as a kid growing up, and they still have them some places that they had landfills. I know, don't call the EPA, but they had landfills. And, and we took periodic visits to the landfill. I don't know what that meant. I guess we had junk we needed to get rid of. But I remember going to the landfill with dad uh, and there was only certain days and times that was open. So you had to go on those times. We go out there and I know, however, this landfill to me was an amazing place. I mean, it was. It was just so awesome. I mean, for number one, it was probably the biggest hole I ever seen in the earth. All right. And, and then number two was everything you could dream of was at the landfill. I'm serious, everything you could dream of. You know, you could stand out there in the landfill and you've seen no Christmas presents, birthday gifts. You've seen televisions, cars, boats. I'm serious. I mean, it's a... Pat, good thing they're not open for you anymore, but, you know, most part. But, the, man, there was everything out there in the land. Stereos and clothing and grills all out there. You know, and the old saying used to be that one man's trash is another man's treasure. But it might be even better stated that one man's trash today was his treasure yesterday. Sir. Sir. 
out there on that landfill was stuff that children quarreled about. Friendships were lost over. Honesty was sacrificed for. Marriages departed over. And the question then that we asked ourselves, was really any of that really worth it? Amen. And so we ask ourselves, here's a question for us. Am I more attached to the things of this world or to the things of God's kingdom? Randy Alcorn, he, he likened our lives to a dot and a line. Our present life on earth being the dot. It's brief. It begins. It ends. But from the dot extends a line that goes on forever. And so the principle is this. Are you living for the dot or are you living for the line? Giving is living for the line. Massing treasure here on the earth is just living for the dot. Because we're going to part with our money. The question is when. It's our choice. We can either part with it now while we have a choice. Or we'll part with it then. Perhaps whenever we don't have a choice. The Bible says in Luke 12, 15, And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. I've got some facts here I want to share with you. They're a little old. They're 16 years old. And I haven't gleaned any others uh, to date. But if I have, I don't know if they would be increased or decreased. But still yet, 16 years ago, uh, some facts uh, just to consider, we live in the most affluent society in human history. American Christians control 70% of the world's Christian wealth. That's 16 years ago. American Christians control 70% of the world's Christian wealth. And the average American Christian gives 2.6% of his income. 2.6% of his income. Average giving by adults attending U.S., United States Protestant churches, average giving, $17 a week. That's $70 a month. That's $840 a year. As a matter of fact, 96% of, Christ, of American Christians give away less than 10% of their income. Just consideration. The younger the churchgoer, the less he gives proportionately. 80% of the money given to the American church is given by those ages 55 and older. Within 50 years, 100 trillion will pass from older. 100 trillion dollars will pass from older to younger. To the younger. The average Christian gives one. Now listen to this. The average Christian gives one quarter the amount required by one of three tithes commanded the people of Israel. In other words, what a Christian gives today is about one quarter of the amount of what was required of the three type of tithing things asked of the Old Testament Jews who were, by the way, mostly poor. Who, by the way, none of them in the Old Testament had, had experienced the transforming power of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> who, by the way, none had experienced that empowering of the Spirit. We ask ourselves, how in the world can this be possible? The average Christian in our churches gives 30% less than the average American gave in the depths of the Great Depression. Anybody want to go back to the 1930s? By no means. But the average Christian then was giving more than the Christian are given in our day. Without a depression. So what does this tell us? What needs to change and how? Three to five percent of Americans who donate money to a church give ten percent their incomes, though many more claim to. Fifty to eighty percent of the world's evangelical wealth is in North America. If the United States Christians raised their giving to the Old Testament starting place of ten percent, if they did, an additional $140 billion a year would become available for the work of Christ. Now, that is mind-boggling. 
It's mind-boggling. Now listen, if you will, some of the wealthiest people of their day, listen to some of them and some of their quotes and what they had to say. Some of the wealthiest people of their day. W.H. Vanderbilt, he said, the care of $200 million is enough to kill anyone. There is no pleasure in it. I'm just saying. John, uh, John Jacob Astor said, I am the most miserable man on earth, yet he was one of the most wealthiest people of his day. John D. Rockefeller said, I have made many millions, but they have brought me no happiness. Andrew Carnegie said, millionaires seldom smile. I'm not saying that. I'm just reading what they said. Henry Ford said, I was happier when doing a mechanic's job. <laughs> A study conducted back in 1999 concluded six months, six months after winning the lottery, winners were no happier than if paralyzed in a car crash. So let's ask some questions. If God were to audit my finances, God were to audit my finances, would he conclude that I'm living for the dot or that I'm living for the line? What would some of his observations be? The clouds are rolling in. Just causing us to ponder here this morning. Ecclesiastes 5.12, the Bible states these words. The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eat little or much. But the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. Ecclesiastes 5 has some insights, a few insights. A few statements about, about money. This one in particular reveals that basically the more you have, the more you have to worry about. It says, saying that a laboring man, whether in the, his job is one that he receives very well, compensated very well for his work, or not as much, whether it's a white-collar job or a blue-collar job, at the end of the day, since he's put forth the effort and he's labored, he can go to sleep at night. He said, but then there is the other the other one, the, the abundance of the rich, he said, will not suffer him to sleep because now you have this and this and this, you know, that's here and then in another country, maybe over here, and you got all this too. Your mind is just overwhelmed to worry about everything that you've accumulated. Amen? And whenever it gets to that stage, we got to ask ourselves a question. When it gets to that stage that you're losing sleep over the things that you own, we got to ask ourselves the question, do you own the possessions or do they own you? Huh? You know, making a, making a trip and a journey up the side of a mountain with a heavy backpack filled with nice and unnecessary things is going to become, you're going to come to somewhere along the journey, you're going to start considering if you really need everything you need in the back of the backpack. Huh? You know what I find? As people get older, they start getting rid of some of their stuff, some people. You know why? Because they're getting closer to the end of their life. You know what? It's not really that big of a deal. Right? Don't need that much, Sister Margaret says. Amen. So, you know, pilgrims travel light. Only what's necessary. That's what goes. Here are some other statements found in Ecclesiastes 5. Verse number 10. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver. Hmm. The more you have, the more you want. Whenever I get this job or so-and-so, bam. No, it's not. No, it's not. Matter of fact, you hear the scenario, if I made this much money, everything would be all right around the house. You know what I'm saying? Because you're always like, man, we just don't have enough, you know, we need everything to be all right. If I just had this, then everything would be all right. You know what happens? You get that, and you spend proportionally to what you make. You spend proportionally to what you make. And so... And the reality is, he says, nor he that loveth abundance with increase, this also is vanity. Somehow or another, it seems like even the more you have, then sometimes the less satisfied you. Verse 11 says, when goods increase, 
the preacher said in Ecclesiastes. They are increased. They are increased that eat them. <laughs> and what good is there to the owners thereof saving the beholding of them with their eyes? The more you have, there's more that increase that eat them. In other words, the more that you have, the more people, including the government, come after it. If you get bonus money at work, that enters a higher tax bracket. Yeah, it's astounding. Higher tax bracket. You thought, man, they're giving me this much, but whatever, at the end of the day, and you look at the net, it's like, what? You work tons of hours of overtime? Huh? I'm serious. I, I remember, and I don't remember the exact figures, but I remember one time someone worked some overtime, and, uh, and that was fine. That was required of us, you know, at times. And then I didn't have to per se that week, but when the end of the week came, I'd made more money than they did, and they worked the overtime. It was just because of the taxing. <laughs> Isn't that, that's not hilarious. I mean, that's really sad. You put all that work and effort, but... <laughs> And then he said, it's better that good that the owners thereof saving and beholding of them with just the right. The more you have, the more, the more you realize it really does you no tremendous, you know, good. I already looked at verse 12, looked at verse number 13. There is a sore evil which I have seen under the sun. Namely, riches kept for the owners thereof to their hurt. In other words, the more you have, the more you can hurt yourself by holding on to it. Verse 14, but those riches perish by evil travail, and he begetteth a son, and there is nothing in his hand. <laughs> the more you have, the more you have to lose. And so, you, as we said, you can't take it with you. You amount it all your life, and then you give it to your children. <laughs> um, you know, verse 15 as he came forth of his mother's womb naked, shall he return to go as he came and shall take nothing of his labor, which he may carry away in his hand. The more you have, the more you have to leave behind. You can't take it with you. So here's what I'm saying this morning. I'm not renouncing treasure. Okay. I'm not renouncing money, not renouncing wealth, not renouncing the rich. All I'm telling this is re relocate where you keep it. God enabled you with, with an education and a good job and to uh, make good money. Do it. Do it. Just don't lay it all up here on the earth. Amen. Don't lay it all up here on the earth. Go on and send some of it ahead. A.W. Tozer was, uh, was caught saying this. He said, as base a thing as money often is, he said, it yet can be transmuted into everlasting treasure. He said, it can be converted into food for the hungry. Clothing for the poor. It can keep a missionary actively winning lost men to the light of the gospel. And thus transmute itself into heavenly values. He said any temporary possession can be turned into everlasting wealth. So whatever is given to Christ is immediately touched with immortality. Once you give it, that which was temporal can turn into immortal. When it's given to the kingdom of God. The Bible states in 1 Timothy 6. Verse number 17, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, which giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Rich in this world. Don't trust in uncertain riches. Who give us richly all things to enjoy God has. Be rich though in good works. Ready to distribute. If I, a principle here to consider is this. Giving is the only antidote to materialism. Giving is the only antidote to materialism. God has a higher purpose for what he has given you. God has a higher purpose for what he has given you. 
As long as we have something, we tend to believe again that we own it. But when we give it away, you know what we do? We relinquish control of it, relinquish power of it, relinquish the prestige of it. Right? And consider this, when we think of the church overall, I'm not just talking about this year, I'm talking about the church overall. Being absolutely sincere, I'm not talking about the fanfare and all of the little trinkets that churches can show forth, but a materialistic world is going to be less likely won to Christ by materialistic church. And so something to ask ourselves, and I'm coming too close, something to ask ourselves this morning is, are our possessions competing then with our giving? Is our possessions competing with our giving? Namely, are our possessions that we're still paying on? Brother McGee, I have to have a house to live at. I, I agree with you 100%. I'm not just talking about that. America, America is probably one of the worst among countries that has credit card debt. Are our possessions competing with our giving? If you get $10,000, $15,000 raked up on credit card debt, and you got a certain minimum payment nowadays that is proportional to the amount that you have in debt that you need to pay, and then you have the finance charges every month that you need to pay, and you're never getting ahead on that, think what you could do if that money was loosed and it wasn't there, what you could give to God. Whew. It's about time to close. <laughs> Stand with me here this morning. My purpose is not to make anybody feel bad, but it's to make us think. Make us think. There are some things that we think that we need we don't need. We don't need. And, you know, then we consider kids, well, I, some people fell into the right, well, I want to give my kids a better life than what I had. And as a result, we've incarcerated ourselves because that took more money than what your family had to give, but we have more means by which we can do it and not have the money and still do it. I'll tell you this, this is what I know as a parent and I tell, me and my wife had this discussion plenty of times. My kids did not keep their rooms quite as straight as what I, well, not at all as straight as what I did as a kid. My parents taught me, and I still ingrained that into their heads. But here's what I come to, uh, the realization. Whenever mom told me to put away my toys, there wasn't much that had to be put away. Because we didn't have a, a room full, closet full, drawers full, shelves full. Of toys. Whenever I tell my kids, they got all kinds of junk. They're overwhelmed by everything that's there to put it up. So we're going to try here real soon. Don, she's already in the process. She did it yesterday. So we're just going to try to limit it so they can just they can get stuff put up. That's too much to put up. Then we can lower the level of what you have to put up. Boy, we could go a lot of ways with that. Mm. We could go a lot of ways with that. Well, I can't come to church because I got such and such to take care of. You know, next weekend we're going to go fishing and I need to work on the boat. <laughs> well, I would help you to get to church. Start fishing from the bank. Oh, God. Y'all saying, thank God we don't have church tonight. I'm telling you right now, he's just online. Amen. Brother Mason, if you'll come, play something very soothing. <laughs> Healing balm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Folks, let me tell you something. There's nothing better than investing in the kingdom. There's nothing better. And you, 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 sometimes you might say, man, I didn't. I know a few people that say that they, they didn't see it somehow boomerang back in some measure. I, 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 as a matter of fact, I, there's very few times in my life I can ever think of, you know, invest in something, you know, above and beyond what was, what was normal for me and not seeing it within, within that calendar year. You know what I'm saying? Just invest in the kingdom of God. And then every time I hear, see someone get baptized in Jesus' name around here, you know what? I feel like I had a part in that. I mean, regardless if I taught the Bible study or not, all right? Regardless whether it's me doing the baptizing or not, I feel like I have a part in that. Why? Because I gave. I gave. Whenever I hear someone start speaking in tongues and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, man, heaven is rejoicing, but I am too. You know what? And I feel like I had a hand in that. And everyone that's standing here tonight, you should feel as though you have a hand in it whenever you have given to the work of the Lord. Just the same whenever we get our reports from the missionaries and they talk about whatever, 30 Trinitarians got baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. And as a church, I know we give to that particular work in that field. I had a hand in that. You had a hand in that. Whenever I read that there was some little church that just started, they had 10 members in their congregation, and they just got some songbooks. Brother Terry, I've never been to their church, never been to their city. I had a hand in that. Why? Because I give, I give, I give, I give, I give, I give, I give. This, this, you know, uh, this, this past summer, whenever we had those kids that come back that got the Holy Ghost and got baptized, but it was at camp and not here, Folks, I felt like I had a hand in that. Because they raised money for them to go. You contributed. You bought stuff. You did that. When we all get to heaven someday, I won't be able to show you my car. I won't be able to show you my, my, my tin room house, which I don't have. I won't be, be able to show you, you know, whatever. Go down the line. I won't be able to show you my, my, my ten acres. We'll be able to show you all that. But if, if, if I plan it right, if I plan it right, there's going to be this one, this one right here. I gave. They're here today. This one right here, I gave. They're from a foreign land, but they're here today in heaven. I ain't going to be able to show you none of my stuff, but I can show you the souls that were redeemed because money helped people propagate the gospel to remote places in the world and within our community. I can show you souls. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads in this place this morning. Can we talk to God? Can we ask God just to deal with our hearts today? God, deal with Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.